This is Growth Masters. The show for CEOs, CMOs, and anyone wanting to keep up with what's new in the world of business, marketing, and tech. You're in conversation with Robert Tadros. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Growth Masters. I'm your host, Robert Tadros. Joining me on the show today is a dear friend of mine who I've known for over 20 years. Not only is he an awarded entrepreneur, investor, and author, he was the winner of the first Australian Apprentice. And prior to taking on the head of business development role at the Entourage, he was fortunate enough to spend 10 years along one of my biggest idols in business, Mark Burrist. He helped build out the Yellow Brick Road Wealth Management Network across Australia. This guy is an active member of Australia's entrepreneurial and real estate communities. He's the most engaging and charismatic speaker. He's so passionate about sharing his success with others, and I can't wait for you to meet him. Without further ado, please welcome to the show, Andrew Morello. Andrew, welcome, man. Like, honestly, it is an absolute pleasure to... A, see you again, because I haven't seen you in a bloody long time. We actually um, bumped into each other out and about just before COVID. That's it. That's every time I see you. It's like yes, I'm out and about somewhere. We're out and about, and I'm not going to lie, it was probably very, either very late in the night or very early in the morning. <laughs> it was probably both. <laughs> Man, so it's seriously, honestly, an absolute pleasure to have you on board. And, you know, arguably, I was talking to my team about this, and they were like, oh, so who's next on the podcast? And I said, oh, good mate of mine, Andrew Morell. And they're like, no way. What, the guy that, that won the first apprentice? And I was like, yep, that guy. And also the guy that I was always envy of because he spent bloody almost 10 years right next to Mark Boris, who's like my my idol. So, right. man, like for our listeners, honestly, like tell me your journey. How did you get here? Well, well, you were there in the early days. No, I, I, I don't know, but it's more for the listeners than anything right. else, right? <laughs> you were arguably, honestly, yeah. probably the first entrepreneur out of the group. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll take that one. Yeah, I was right. started out at, at 14, 15, back in the back streets of Mooney Ponds, you know, when I started Angel Underage. And, uh, you know, everyone thought it was a joke. You know, like my, my dad, my dad's like, what are you going to, what do you want to do? And I said, I'm going to run nightclubs. And he's like, me, you're going to run nightclubs. And I'm like, what do I want to do? And so anyway, hindsight is a beautiful tutor and, and it was a great platform. When actually, you know what, in hindsight, it actually started before that. You, do you remember my dad's service station? On the corner of Pascovar Road and Buckley Street in Mooney Ponds. I'm, I'm, um, I'm terrible. I can't even remember what I ate When I was like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, I was pumping petrol at my dad's service station, bro. And like, I think that, you know, in hindsight, the things I learned in that business, pumping petrol and the things around work ethic and customer service and, and giving people a world-class experience, I then transcended that into running the events, having the events business, which then I transcended that into my property business, which then... I, you know, won The Apprentice, you know, at 23, 24, and yeah. then um, spent the last 10 years with Mark and, and also alongside my business partner, Jack Delosa. So I'm in both in business partners uh, with both, you know, still a shareholder at Yellow Brick Road and do a bit of advisory work there and, and also bought into the entourage 10, 11 years ago with Jack. And, mm. you know, like the reality is I've always just been very good at surrounding myself with the right people. I've never really had the need personally to be the front guy of, of, of anything really. I, I've always liked the fact that I would have the uh, autonomy and flexibility to be able to go do my volunteer work in Cambodia, which I still do every year, except for last year, obviously. Also the work that we do in the indigenous communities with 
Jesse and, and Liz Volpe and all that. So with Project Gen Z and, and Seed Foundation. So like, you know, the, the reality is like, I think if you say, how did this all happen? It was the fact that I, I continually pushed myself to surround myself with better people. So I, yeah. I pride myself on, on being the dumbest person in the room. Like in our office, we've got 49 full-time staff here in Sydney, at, you know, in Pitt Street, we took a whole floor. Um, and then we've got about another 18, 19 staff that work remote, some in, in Australia, some internationally. And it's like, I look across this, this, this floor and there's so many smarter people than me. And it was like, that was what I, this is how, and that's how Jack and I got here. Like we were like, we just got to get people that are better than us all the time. And if we do that, then that pushes us to be better, one, but two, it makes our life a lot easier. That, that's probably been the key component. I don't know if this is a coincidence, but I don't know if I, you saw my post about three days ago on LinkedIn, and it was literally about this exact topic, right? Yeah. My post was, uh, I can't remember word for word verbatim, but it was, if I walk into a room where I'm the smartest person, I got to get the F out of that room and yeah. go and be the dumbest than another. Because otherwise I'm not learning. Um, I'm not developing myself as an individual, which means I'm, I'm stagnant. Right. So it's, it's amazing how, you know, great minds think alike. Right. So let's go back. Right. You're 24. You've just landed this gig, which yeah. like that would have been so overwhelming. And I don't know if it was or not, but for me at 24, I mean, you know what we used to do, right? <laughs> so the last thing was on my mind. <laughs> That's right. So at 24, you land this gig, you've got Mark Boris right there as arguably your boss and, and mentor. Yes. Man, like talk me through that, like the mindset, you know, the, the journey that you would have been like, how, the drive in in itself, right? Like, what what was the commitment, I guess, that you made to yourself from from that point on? Robbie, I think that the, the the what I took most from the sort of ten years with Mark was that first of all, we were cut from a similar cloth, Mark and I. So both his, you know, his parents had come from Greece, my parents had come from Italy, like yeah. very similar background. And like when when people had asked him, like you know, why did you choose Morello? Out of there was ten thousand people tried out for and applicants right and uh with this this apprentice and when people asked him oh why did you why did you choose Morella? because he, he footed the bill at the end of the day it was a quarter of a million yeah. dollar payout and um and then i ended up buying into the business and becoming partners with him because uh we just clicked straight away was it overwhelming maybe not overwhelming but there was definitely a um a paradigm shift i had to make and and certainly a wake-up call when i went from you know, being completely self-employed to now being in, in a, a fairly large, you know, corporate structure, which we ended up publicly listing. And I, what, what I think the key component to having success in that sort of environment was, was actually staying true to my core fundamentals and values of, you know, that I grew up with in small, small to medium business, which was, you know, that work ethic, that world-class experience. And like what, what I didn't have in the ways of a degree or what I didn't have in the ways of uh, qualifications and experience I, I had in, in in people. Like I think, you know, we're very, very lucky, especially in Australia, that we can get by on actually being really good people's people. So like what, what I think America has lost a lot of is, and you're seeing this massive disparagement and this, you know, divided country now in America, not to talk religion or politics with you, Robbie, but this massive divide in America because the richer we're going to get richer and the poor will get poorer. The great thing we have in Australia is that I think you can still come here as a refugee 
And if you're prepared to work hard and you're committed to it and you're prepared to give to the world, then you will be rewarded for it. And we see that all the time, like with the businesses we work with, with the entourage, for those who don't know what we do at the entourage, we work with, you know, a lot of small to medium predominantly, but also large multinationals as well. But we work with them to sort of advise and coach and grow their business and their teams. And their teams. And it's interesting, um, I get to see all these different people from all different walks of life. You know, there's a, that straight after you, I'm, I'm doing a advisory session with a lady who's a female mining tycoon from Zambia. So she lives half in, in WA, half in Zambia. And, um, you know, she's one of our members, Kendu Belts, her name is, she's done work with the Dalai Lama. She's done work with Dr. Martini. She's like, she's a, a global speaker in her own right. And she's engaged, you know, myself and us to work with her. But it's like, I go from that to then, a, you know, a mum and dad ice cream shop. Then I go to working with, you know, Crown Casino or, or um, you know, Star, Star City Casino, you know, Echo Entertainment. So, we'll, you know, we get moved around, but it's great because what I get to see is the beauty of Australia slash Australasia, because we do a lot of work in Singapore and, and Hong Kong and Malaysia and, and Indonesia and the Philippines now, is that if you're hungry, you can still you can still make it, but you need to be prepared to put the legwork in and you need to be prepared to go into it with an open heart and an open mind. That's the other thing too. So like when I when I arrived in Sydney, like you, you, we were very close back then. Like I, you know, I was the Melbourne boy. Like I was Morello from Melbourne. Like I was the mm. guy that when somebody was sending their mates or their cousins or their friends from another state or country, they're like, you need to speak to Morello, he'll sort you out. And like now I'm in this new city. I'm not doing, not in real estate anymore, which, you know, I thought I was going to do real estate for the rest of my life. And then, um, you know, I've come back, I've, I've had to sort of refine myself and uh, I did. And um, and I had to read, I had to remove my ego, which was mm. a big thing too. So if you talk to me about what was the biggest epiphany, like I was, I was a big fish in a small pond in community ponds in Melbourne. I got to Sydney and it's a very world-class city like that. Like it's like a New York or a London where it's very transient, you know, there's people, there's big roles, there's people, everyone's on two, three, 400 grand a year. It's not like you're making a lot of money compared to everyone else because you sort of need to be making that money, that money or more if you want to, you know, live a half decent life here. I just gave it 110%, but I removed my ego. What was there times when my ego got in the way 100%? Like, you know, you would sit there in, in some of these board meetings and, and, I would be like, these guys don't know what they're talking about. And I had to learn as well that like the, the, the skills and the, the the knowledge that a CFO, that's called a chief financial officer brings, is just as important as let's call it the CEO or the rainmaker or mm. whatever. So like, you know, there was often clashings because once upon a time, I used to make my own, for my business, my own financial decisions and my own marketing decisions. And, and then all of a sudden you're actually having to work in with other, you know, leaders within the business. So I did, uh, not that I was egotistical, but I had to learn that to really respect the value that everyone had to add to contribute. And that, that's that's a, a, a common, you know, I see this a lot. I mean, I, you know, I was in corporate, as, as you know, for, for, for eight years or so. And, you know, it's a very ego, they're all very ego driven roles, right? Mm -hmm. They're all trying to make a stance for themselves and, and, and get their point across. Whereas nowadays, and I think where I'm seeing this massive shift in the, in, in, in the business world is everybody needs to work collaboratively. Otherwise, you just don't fit in. Period. Mm -hmm. You're going to come up here with, you know, I am King X and, you know, this is my way or the mm -hmm. highway. Mm -hmm. It does not long. It doesn't work. And something there, like a common, I guess, trend I'm seeing in a lot of what I heard and what a lot what, what you were saying there is around, you know, there's something about whether it's refugees or people that come, they don't come from money, right? We've, we've all been there, whether it's our fathers or mums or dads or families, whoever it may be. Australians. 
That's right. They're not Australians, right? And they've got this resilience, right? This yeah. hunger and this, this 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 drive to really succeed. And and whether it is to you know prove a point or whether it is that they never had that life and they've come, you know, they've come from nothing. So what's there to lose? Yes. There's nothing to lose. I see that pretty, you know, that tends to be very common in a lot of the people that I speak to and just business owners that I speak to. A lot of them do come from that environment, you know, and even with Australians, right? Like I've got a lot of mates that come from, say, regional Victoria or regional, you know, re regional Australia where they're not exposed to the big flashy cities like your Melbournes and your Sydney. Yes. They've always been very humble um, and they carry that across throughout their entire career. And you can really see it. You know, you can you can see it in their values and their ethics and the way they they, they operate. So you're, you're 24, you land you land this gig, right? What was, what would you say was the most valuable lesson that Mark would have taught you along those ten years? And I'm sure there would have been plenty, right? <laughs> Probably the most valuable was play to your strengths, but work on your weaknesses. So yeah. something, um, he, you know, he, he always used to remind me that in, in in sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a in needing to be reminded way, he would say, "You're the without a doubt." Like I'm not saying this egotistical. This would verbatim what he would say to go without a doubt. You're the best I've ever seen at what you do. He goes, but the problem is, is that, you know, and I and I, I knew this about myself and I've tried to improve on that. I, I would hope that my business partners and my teams and my leaders and my managers would say that I um, have improved on it. But he said, you're a bit of a one trick pony. Like, you know, you can wheel you into a room and you'll win everyone over and you you can convince everybody that we're the best way to go. But then once we've gotten the investment, then he goes, I need you to become the strategist. I need you to become the thinker, not just the mm. talker. You know, he goes, I need you for people to see you as the also the thinker, you know, and as the strategist. You know, like in hindsight, it was a it was a beautiful thing to learn. Like, you know, I had to I, he said, you don't want to be perceived in in 10 years time. This was very early days. So that's, that's now you don't want to be perceived as just, you know, this the talker. And, yeah. and, and you know, we, we still catch up socially, um, Mark and I, and, and also in the business circumstance. And, you know, now he, often, he, you know, we, we will share great ideas and share thoughts and theories on things. And um, so I would hope that people would think that I'm now a little bit more uh, deliberate, not in a sinister way, but, you know, more in a thought-provoking way. So, yeah, but that was the best so, thing so I Play to your strengths, but work on your weaknesses. Doesn't mean I need to become the the best of reading PLs, but mm. I should be able to read a PL and, and determine, you know, what advice to give someone in a very short period, which I, you know, go back to, you know, 12 years ago, I didn't even know how to read a PL. Like I, I used to go to my accountant once a month and he'd say, You're making lots of money. And I go, Great, see you later. <laughs> Let's yeah. go spend it. Correct. <laughs> I was very good at spending it, not counting it or saving it. So, you know, it, like thank God I bought real estate young because it, it it forced me it was funny went before when i was about to answer my phone before we started it was actually my financial planner and thank god for him you know his name is daniel carini and he uh he just every time i made a little bit of money he took it off me and we bought another property made a little bit of money took it off me put another property what a champion it, was, it sounds like my wife wow it's it's not a bad it's not a bad process you know like god forbid you know if the end of the world actually had have happened last year you know, real estate's always going to hold strong. Have I got shares? Yes. And, you know, I, I, one of our, our members in the entourage in our Elevate program, which is for our million dollar plus businesses, you know, he's in the, the crypto business, right? Mm -hmm. And he's just on the campaign, just 
telling me to buy crypto. And I, I have bought a little bit, right? And it's done all right. So it's done well. I haven't got hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything in it, but I, I just put a little bit in there just because I kept thinking my balls broke and going, you should yeah. do crypto. And I'm like, oh, me crypto now, leave me alone. But I, know, I think we both we both agree that you can't go wrong with dirt as long as you have half a brain. Look, it's worked. We're, we're, we're three generations. I'm first generation Australian born, but we're three generations Australian, the Morellos. And my, mm. you know, my grandfather came on the boats, my... My dad came on the boats. My brother, my sister, and I were born here, and um, you know we, we've all got children now and children on the way. And so, like, it's worked for us. And this is what I tell people: like, I go, my dad wasn't a stockbroker. My dad was a petrol station owner, right? And so, like, mm. and he owned the he owned the building and he owned the business and the freehold. So, like, at the yeah. end of the day, you know, if it's worked since 1956, coming on a boat with one shoe and an empty suitcase, and now we've got two shoes and a full suitcase. Like, <laughs> there's got to be something in there, right? There's got to be something in there. This is my point. Like, it's you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Like, you know, Mate, McDonald's, right? Like, McDonald's not in the burger business. It's in the real estate business, correct? Right. It's a real estate business. Well, a lot of people, the same and you know, West Lawrence right. is the same, and Coles Meyer is the same. Like, they're all they're all in the the real estate game, and they just happen to sell hamburgers as well. You know, like I try and explain that to people, but um, it's the hook, right? It's like we'll hook you in with the burgers, but really, we're just paying off the real estate. (laughs) If I had to sum up what Mark taught you there, if I had to just go back to that for a second, right? It's self-awareness, and and I think, you know, there's something that a lot of, if I had to tie this into the ego person, a lot of egotistic individuals don't realize what they're doing. Yes. Right. So I think self-awareness as an as an entrepreneur or, or, or a business owner or, or a leader of some sort is, is is critical, right? Because if you're not aware of your behaviors and what it is that you're doing, to, whether it's to influence others or influence a particular decision, you could be heading down the, the wrong path, yes. right? So I, I think if I had to, you know, sort of summarize that, Andrew is is that Mark taught you probably what is the most I would say anyway, and you know, it's very subjective, but a very valuable lesson in business is be aware of the decisions that you're making and, and who you are. One of the most valuable lessons in life, 100%. I totally agree with you. Like, and I was very, very grateful to be able to have the, um, you know, the ear and the knowledge of, of someone like Mark. And he's got, he's actually got four sons. So, mm. well, which I'm close with, with his sons too. But I think he saw himself as like a, my Sydney dad anyway. Yeah. Like, you know, like he'd have a bit of fun with me, but then like we, we, he definitely, um, Took you under his wing. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. <laughs> hey, it's, it's all part of the experience, right? You're like, I heard you'll cause a mischief at Bondi on the weekend. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Why did you think I bought an apartment on the beach for? I wanted to cause mischief. Like you, you only buy an apartment on beach, on Bondi Beach Fund when you want to cause mischief. It's the only yeah, news fun. travels fast in Sydney, right? It's not. It's not a place to have a family. I'm going to show you about that. <laughs> Sold up that one, bought the next one. So like, you know, I was going to grow up in the world. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's shift gears a bit. So you've spent the you know ten years or you know just shy of ten years at uh, you know head of business at, at the the Yellow Brick Road, right? Which I'm yeah. sure in itself would have taught you endless amount of. I mean, it's ex- experience galore, right? And I know you're a board member of a few different yeah. businesses, but I, I want to go to the entourage, right? Because I I mean I, I don't know Jack personally, but I've obviously yeah. I know the entourage, I know the business. Right. So give me the you know the one minute version of what you guys do. For, it's more for our <laughs> listeners as well. Yeah, so we, we believe in pushing civilization forward through entrepreneurialism and we, we look to empower entrepreneurs globally now. Like we've got members in 10 countries utilizing our business coaching and advisory and education and, and the tools and the experts. How we deliver business advisory and coaching, nobody does globally. So we've, we've really, it's taken us 11 years to get it right. 
So it, um, it actually originally started, ironically, our first first group of clients, we used to do one Sunday every month out of the Yellow Brick Road boardroom, ironically. So we would get them all to meet there on a Sunday. And, and a few beers. It was, it was like that. It was a lot more relaxed. Now it's, you know, we've got a, literally a team of, of 49 out there, literally on the floor. And then we've got a, you know, an expanding global team. And then we've got members literally in 10 countries. Like someone just signed up in, in Hong Kong this morning. So... Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're always looking to empower our members to go to the next level. And that's whether that's through one-on-one coaching and advisory, whether that's getting them in front of, we've got 32 sort of um, experts that we work with on a, on a panel and they can basically, the members can log onto a portal and book a one-on-one session with any of those, unlimited amount of those. And then probably the thing we're most proud of is our community. So, you know, once, you, once you're an entourage member, you really get to, one, the networking is phenomenal. Two, they're all sitting on each other's boards now. They're all investing in each other's companies. Like, you know, you've got about a thousand active members at any one time, but we've literally had over 430,000 people either attend a conference or come to one of our events or be a past member or whatever it might be. And the beauty is, is that a lot of them over the last 11 years have come. They might do two or three years with us. Then they might go away and either maybe sell their business or just work on their business for a bit. And then they come back and they do it again. So like we're seeing a lot of our alumni now coming back after, you know, that were our alumni five, six, seven, eight years ago, come back and they're rejoining. Um, and the beauty is they're saying that it's 10 times better than it was before, but how amazing it was back in the day. So it's very, very exciting. And it's it's always, look, Jack and I have been best mates for, I don't know, 11 years now. So like, you know, it's always good to be working with your best mates and, and having a bit of fun. And we've traveled to probably 20 countries together and spoken in about 10 different countries around the world together so it's fun and and if you and love jack, what you do you'll never work a day in your life right correct, exactly and I, and I would argue you know jack would be definitely uh, a the the next you know burris effectively yeah. you know he's yeah. very entrepreneurial like that yeah you know a lot of the traits that mark has got jack's also got and and you know what's beautiful about that is i complement those traits so like yeah. jack's a real sort of stickler for detail he really gets in there on a deep dive over three days the analytics of something I'll come in and give it the, the the charisma and the energy behind it, and it's it's a very good complementary relationship to have. And, and it's such a great like such such a great business model, you know. Like I'm mean, even just from my own experience, you know, when you're starting out in business, it's a, it's daunting, you know. Like if you haven't got, you know, it's you yourself and I basically. Like you just have to sit there, you think with yourself, and people think you're going crazy. And this, I always this say, exactly, this is exactly the conversation we had this morning with with one of our new members. I, I sat in on one of the sessions with one of the entrepreneur development managers. And there was a gentleman from Adelaide and he's, he's joined our Accelerate program, which is that sort of zero, zero to a million dollars in revenue um, uh, program. And he goes, like, I, 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 before, you know, I started talking with you guys, I was really, I didn't know where to start. Like, he goes, I've, I've gone and put money away and I've started, and he'd already weird have identified it. He's already spent probably close to 20 grand on stuff he should not have spent money on. But, you know, and he's just like, God, that's so helpful. He goes, I thought I was just going to make money. I said, well, the best way to make money is also to save money. Like, people don't realize that. Once you make that saving, it goes direct to your bottom line. Once it's spent, it's done. And so um, we try and take people out of that. And then probably the big evolution that we've had and the reason why a lot of our, our past alumni are coming back is now we have this Elevate program for million dollar plus only businesses or businesses on a runway to do a million dollars. The average business, there's 149 members in that. The average business in that's doing sort of five, five and a half 
in a, a year in revenue now. So, like, you can imagine just that community and being a part of those sort of people, all ships rise in a rising tide and they all hold each other accountable. 100%. And, like, I mean, again, I always like to speak from experience, but, you know, growing a business from zero to, to a million is bloody hard work, mm. right? But then, you know, from, from my experience, what I've noticed is, is like, Things start to break. Processes yeah. start to break. Your culture Correct. probably starts to break a little bit. Founders and entrepreneurs are typically very much visionaries, right? So they start and yeah. they need to start hiring people that can complement them. And then from that one they to sort of hiring the integrators. Correct, the integrators. That's right. So you get from that one to three million now, and if you haven't got your shit together, you could essentially, you know, you could that business will fold very, very quickly. Correct. Right. And then you get to five and it's a completely different game. And then you get to 10 and it's like, okay, now you're starting to play a little bit with the with, with, with the bigger guys, right? And then from 10 to 20, things start to shift again. I've, I mean, I've personally seen this evolution in, in, in business and, you know, I wasn't, I guess, fortunate enough back then to, you know, I mean, obviously Entourage I know was, was, was around, but I hadn't heard that much about it. But, yeah. you know, it was like, I had to learn from my own mistakes. So, yeah. I mean, I personally can't encourage and I probably can't recommend the service like, like that enough because of, you know, you have other buddies within your community that you can speak to that are going through the same challenges. So yeah. you don't have to be on your own and solve your own problems. You know, yeah. someone else has gone through it. I think the other thing is too, Robbie, that you can't be a prophet in your own home. So there's an ancient Hebrew proverb. I, I do live in the eastern suburbs of Sydney now, so I've gone from <laughs> the Italians and Lebanese and Aussies in, of the Moody Valley region to all of the Jewish people of Sydney around me now. So, And with these curls, it's not abnormal for them. Like I'm walking down the street literally two days ago on Saturday, Walking just down. missing you, but I live in Ripley. Straight out, straight out, I was walking and they're like, Berishma. and I'm like, Berishma, do you do like they think I'm they think I'm Israeli, and it's hilarious. But but I, I and it's a long story for another podcast, but I, I actually have a um, a rabbi now. I have a, I'm not Jewish, but I have a rabbi, like he's a guy that I'm friends with, and I, I helped him out with some of his uh, philanthropic stuff, and we did some fundraising for uh, a, it's a it's a, a group called Jewish Care Australia where they it's a non denominational. So they, 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 they choose to, you know, work with everyone, not just Jewish people. So they were trying to break the stigma a bit. And so I got involved and uh, he, he told me like, and it was funny because when he gave me this advice, he gave it to me about a relationship about seven years ago with a, a particular past partner of my life partner of mine. And he said, he goes, oh, you know, Morello, Morello like he's got this you know, Russian, <laughs> Russian uh, Brooklyn, sorry, Amer American, but Brook, he's from Brooklyn originally. Rabbi Castell, and he's got this, you know, Jewish slash Yiddish slash Brooklyn accent, and he goes, well, oh, I can't even talk properly. The prophet in your own home, like trying to tell me that I can't tell my girlfriend at the time what to do, like somebody else needs to tell her. And yeah. it was funny because with the business, I think it was exactly the same thing. Like, I think when you're in the business and you can be the greatest visionary, even the greatest integrator, but the problem you can, and you might be the greatest founder of any business that's ever existed, that the challenge you've got is sometimes you're looking at the, this close, you know, like if I, if, I, if I put a little hole around that and said, what is that? You've got no idea what that is. But then I go mm -hmm. and go like that, all of a sudden you can see it's Oprah Winfrey, right? So mm -hmm. you just need somebody else to look at it from a different perspective. And sometimes all you need is a half an hour, 40 minutes, just somebody to go, okay, tell me the, the top three things that you're going through right now. This, this, and this. Okay, have you looked at this resource? Have you downloaded this template? Have you spoken to this expert? No, I haven't. When you speak to this expert, ask him to show you the example of what they did with that business that they had in, in you know, in Barcelona or that business they had in in, uh, in China with the manufacturing or, or imports or exports, whatever it might be. 
we're putting them in touch with the right people. And all of a sudden, you see these beautiful things in the, in the like the private Facebook groups. People writing these like people that don't like don't normally put anything on social media. People that you know they're quiet as a mouse and they just stick to their own little business. They're writing essays, Robbie, like this. Like, oh my God, this changed my life. Thank you so much to the Elevate Coach or the Elevate Advisor, Robbie Can uh, Johnny Cass. Thanks to Morello for you know for his advice on this. Thanks to Jack for that podcast that he did with X. You know, they're saying I took these three things and like all of a sudden I've two X my business. We did one point six million last year, and through COVID we're on track to do two point six. And so yeah. all of a sudden we've had a so new, powerful. It's it's a big start, and and what it does is it creates the you know I hate, I hate that I keep saying it, but that all shit flies in a rising tide because I see Robbie doing well, so then I do I want to do well, not because I'm jealous, but because I want to. I want to keep at the same pace with everybody and keep pumping. And then like, then when I do well, it motivates other people to go out and maybe do the thing that they're challenged by as well. So all of a sudden you've got, it's the four minute mile concept, right? That in the, yeah. when, when they, in the Olympics, you know, whatever year it was when that gentleman ran the four minute mile prior to that, nobody could run it. When he ran the four minute mile for the next 10 years, that record got broken every year for the next 10 years, right? All of a sudden people are like, shit, you can do it under four minutes. What someone else did it, I can do it. And then it went to three minutes, not three minutes, you know, 58. Then it went to three minutes, 57. Then it went to three minutes, 55. And it, and it kept them going down to death because somebody else was doing it. And sometimes you just need to surround yourself with quality people so you can literally take yourself to the next level and, you know, not waste your precious life and reach your full potential. Which is exactly the point that you start, we started talking about, right? Is like surrounding yourself with, with smarter people, right? And I'm a big believer in, you know, you are the average of the five people that you hang around Correct. right so if you hang around losers excuse me if anybody's listening gets offended this but guess what you're going to be the average of the five losers that you're hanging around really? you hang around with five entrepreneurs that are think think alike and are happy to support and, and and guide each other guess what you're going to be the average of those those five yes yeah, so I, I agree and i, I look I, I in fact i couldn't even agree enough with the comment and uh, funny enough i mean i i live in in Elstonwick, borderline ripplingly mate so i some of my best mates are jewish i mean they're the greatest people i reckon on this, yeah. on, on this planet right they're, they're a wealth of knowledge and, and information well, I think, I think there's a beautiful wisdom in their culture and I, I can try right. now that I've spent 11 years living you know, I, you know my neighbors either side a Jewish what I've done is I've actually deciphered the key to their a lot of their success so it's two things right number one is it's a 4,000 year old you know tradition right number one number two is that they every Friday they have a thing called for those who aren't familiar with the Jewish tradition they have a thing called Shabbat which is like they they the, the the orthodox or traditional ones don't use lights, they don't use TV, they're not allowed to use their phones, they're not allowed to use technology. But like there's a lot of like middle of the range ones. They're not as strict on it, right? So but they still meet as a family every Friday and have dinner every week. Whether you're arguing with your brother or not, whether your sister-in-laws don't like each other, whether you're you're fighting with your parents, you put your differences aside and you come together as a family. Now, when you're there as a child, what happens is you're sitting around this family table, drinking wine, eating food, breaking bread, talking about your traditions. But most of all, they talk a lot about business, right? And a lot of them are in family business. And so what happens is there's an element where the children actually learn via osmosis. So for those mm -hmm. who don't understand osmosis, it's the, the power of learning just by surrounding yourself with strong, powerful you know, teachers, whether they're male, female, whether they're spiritual teachers, um, business teachers, whatever it might be. And so what happens is you do that for 4,000 years, it creates a domino effect where it becomes a self-perpetuating culture 
of this. Okay, let's meet together, share a meal every Friday, talk about business, talk about life, talk about what's working, what's not, put our differences aside. And then the last little um, you know, feather in the cap is that then they're very good at, at, at keeping the community, helping the community. And mm. like if you look at, you know, you look at new Australians, you know, and you know, the Italians came out in the 1950s, they all help each other. Or but you know, mm. three brothers might come out on the same boat, and then what they do is they all help each other buy their first house, you know, at least mm. everyone's got a house. So then it creates generational wealth. Then like the Vietnamese came out in the 70s and they did the same. And then, like the um, a lot of the the Croatians and the Serbians and Yugoslavians came out in the eighties and nineties, and then they did the same. And then a lot of the the Lebanese and the Arabic Arabs came out, and they did the same. And then what's happened is for Australians, as in like Australian born, even like Italian Australians, like I'm pretty lucky that we've kept a lot of our, our traditions and our, at least our family staying quite tight. Um, but a lot of like you know let's call it Anglo Australians have never experienced. That sort of a you know culture where their families all help each other. It's like your uncle has got his own life, and your other your auntie's got her own life, and your dad, who's that's their brother and sister, he's got his own thing going on. People don't necessarily have worked as close together. Where the Jewish community have been very very good at that. To some respects, I don't know if it's going to be offensive by me saying this. Hopefully not. I'll put a precursor on it. But it's what we tried to create the entourage to some respects. That all of a sudden there was a community where everybody's looking out for each other. Everybody's sitting on each other's boards. Everyone's investing in each other's business. Everybody's helping each other. Like if somebody during COVID, there might have been a manufacturer in the entourage that might have been helping three or four other manufacturers. You know, assist them if they had to shut down certain operations or reduce their footprint. And then all of a sudden, we started seeing all these people sort of start to work together, like you said before, rather than sort of have their own ego, like, oh no, that's they're a competitor to me. All of a sudden, they know people weren't seeing each other as competitors anymore. They were forced to see each other as collaborators. And since they've done that, you know, we've seen some beautiful things come out of it, especially um, in the entourage community, like amazing stuff, like stuff that, you know, like I look at all the terrible shit that's on TV and, and you know, all the negative stuff that we have on the news and all that. Like I've got, I've got business owners that are making four times the amount of money they were making pre-COVID. Like, you know, because they've removed their ego, they've gotten smarter, they're working with other people, they understand they don't need to be, as we said, a master of, you know, what a jack of all trades master of none they're like okay why don't i just make glasses really really well and why don't i collaborate with the person who makes bottles and then we'll sell glasses and bottles together all of a sudden this has become a thing now like but prior to covid everybody the, the glass maker said oh, i can make the bottles and the tissue boxes as well and they were all trying to compete and they would all sort of try and undercut each other from a cost point of view so it's such an interesting perspective and I mean, very well articulated. I mean, I, I couldn't have said that well, well enough, but it's, it's so true that we don't even need to go far. Just look at history, you know, and if we were to just look at the Jewish community as, a, as an example, like you said, they like they're very good at sticking together. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, it's the second point that, that, that you made. So we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Right, it's it's the the you know the, there is a method to their madness. There's a reason why they do that. You know, they're eliminated technology for a reason, whether it's religious, you know, for, for a religious reason or not, or for the fact that you should just put your phones away and sit there as a family and actually have a, a family. absolutely. Like, I, I couldn't agree. You know, like people are going to mean, oh, where did you? Well, where did you study? Like you know, I did. I didn't study at uni. I went to yeah. St Bernard's. I barely finished high school. But where I learned my business experience was sitting around my family kitchen table, like our father. That's right. We knew when my father was having a, having a good month and we knew when my father was having a bad month. 
like he didn't hide it from us. Like, you know, if there's any parents out there like that are watching this, like I, the, the biggest thing I think, that, you know, the challenge I see with parenting today is that people try and, you know, wrap their kids up in cotton wool and think, you know, try and hide them from the realities of life. The realities of life are going to hit them very, a lot harder in the face if they're not exposed to it or much younger. And, and there's nothing wrong with sitting your children down and explaining like, you know, we've got COVID going on. I've had to shut down an office. Mm. I've had to let go of 10 staff. So, like, you know, we're not going to go to overseas this year. We're not going to travel this year. We're going to put some money away. We're going to be smarter about what we do. You're like, there's nothing wrong with having mature adult conversations with your children because my father did. <clears throat> and he had it with my brother and my sister. And all three of us have gone and gone on and accomplished things. So, whether that's financially or not, like, I'm not saying you've got to teach them about business. Like, there might be someone watching this who isn't in, an entrepreneur. Like, but if you've, got, if you've got an opportunity to educate them about life. And sometimes educating someone about life is even more important than educating them about business because if they go into business and they know about life, then the business will naturally come, in my opinion. Absolutely. And 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 again, I mean, like, the, the reality is, is that they're, they're going to get exposed to it one day or another. 100%. Right? So would you rather your kid learn something straight from the horse's mouth or let them get lost in the real world and figure things out for themselves and God knows what what, what could happen, right? And the ramifications that are associated with it. So, I mean, that, that is an, a, a very valid point, I guess, for a lot of our listeners. And like you said, whether they're in business or not, but, you know, there is nothing wrong with being authentic, authentic with kids. You know, don't speak to them as if they're kids. Speak to them as if they're another adult sitting at the table, which is something I'm a big believer in. You know, with my little man, Mateo, I'll sit there and I'll have a conversation with him. I'm not trying to dump down words. I am not. Now. He's three years old. Beautiful. That's exactly you what you're doing. So rather than me sitting there dumbing it down and trying to put it in a, in a context where he would understand it, I'm just having a normal conversation with the guy. You know. So I think I think that in itself, and if we apply that to, to, to business and our peers and in leadership and how we speak to one another, I think that's that in itself is a very important lesson as well for a lot of our for a lot of our listeners. Let me let me ask you this one question, right? Do you see a trend in a lot of, I guess, probably smaller businesses, entrepreneurs that are starting out where, you know, they face the same challenge over and over and over and over again? Yeah, yeah. I think, especially in, in sort of smaller businesses, so once you're starting out, because I think whether you're a startup or whether you're um, been around for 20 years, but you're just like a five-person five, five mm -hmm. five operation, I think these the two major things that, uh, enable growth. So I would say the two biggest growth enablers um, for smaller businesses would be marketing and sales. That's it. Get your marketing right, get your sales right. And like when I say sales, people think you've got to go be a salesman. No, not at all. Like we've got a, an online- Second, Secondhand car salesman. Correct. And like <laughs> I, when people said so people are afraid of sales, like they're like, oh, I don't want to be, I'm not, I don't want to be seen as a sales, salesman or a saleswoman. Like I don't want to be seen as being salesy. The, the best sales people, you don't even know that you're getting sold to. Like, you know, yeah. like they, they don't use selling as a technique. They use solutions as a technique. Mm. They use strategies as a technique. So like, you know. Education as a technique. Education. And, and you know, um, giving, you know, once again, the more you service people, like most of the time, a good eight to nine times out of 10, when somebody comes to the entourage, they're ringing us. Like we don't we don't do it we don't outbound anymore like it's them contacting us uh, sometimes via some marketing we might have done like and we're running an event they might come to the event and then it says would you like to speak to one of our advisors about you know our entrepreneur development managers about um, taking your business to the next level they will reach out to us so eight times eight or nine times out of ten they're reaching out to us so they're seeing us as an expert because we've spent the time money energy and effort educating them giving them three or four pieces of gold helping them 2x their business 
in a very short period. And then they go, oh, shit, I need, to, I need to get in on this. And I want to be a part of the community and I want to be a part of the entourage. So, you know, we've done a lot of work on, on building that out. But if you, you said what, what is something that is consistent all the way through with um, sort of smaller businesses, then I would say all, all growth is marketing and sales driven. Then what I would say is the other four probably categories that they, they you, you see businesses will have challenges in is the next one would be product to market fit. So like, you know, now we're making some money, but is our, you know, our, are our products fitting in our market or could they fit better? And they generally, mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, they can fit better. Like we're, we're constantly, you know, building on- Innovating our, and- Innovating, yeah. correct. You know, like we've got a new online, three online courses that we put out during Christmas. I mean, they're self-fulfilling now. So these are people that have been watching us for years. Like we, and we just, we profiled some of them. Some of them are Qantas staff. Some of them are, you know, people that um, that have never been self-employed, but they're going shit on, you know, they're reading and writing on the wall. They're thinking, I'm probably going to get a redundancy of whatever three, six, nine, 12 months worth of um, payout. So what I'll do is I'll go and make sure that I, um, you know, utilize that money, that time, that energy to actually get a result. So, you know, we're doing that. So, so number three would be product to market fit. Number four would be their operations, so systemization and so forth. Number five, then, as they're starting to grow, would be their finances. And then number six, finally, would be people and culture. So, you know, they've now reached the point where they've got 20 staff and they're starting to get a lot bigger or, or bigger. You know, like, we, we, I know, like, we're on our road, pretty much a road to 100 staff over the next, um, you know, three to four months. And uh, we, we're constantly, in, you know, employing people and growing the team. We've just taken a whole floor in Sydney. We're going to probably have to take a whole other floor pretty, in, in pretty soon. And I would argue that, you know, our biggest challenge now is people and culture. Like there's, there's so many amazing people that we have in our team and our teams. And we have so many great leaders, but you need to work on that. Like, we, you know, we do, we do a thing called Magic Monday, like, Every Monday morning, we get everyone in and we give them, like this morning was a goal setting session. You know, we did it at eight o'clock in the morning. Then on Wednesdays, we do a thing called Be Well Wednesdays. On Fridays, we do a thing called Made It Happen, where we make a, a full circle log everyone in from all around the world. And we do a thing like, I've got to Made It Happen for Rob this week. He helped two of our members, you know, get this, this and this by introducing them to Steve, one of our expert partners. And they achieved X, Y, and Z. Like all of a sudden, what ends up happening is, we end up positioning uh, not only ourselves, but more importantly, um, our members as you know experts in their field. But in order to maintain that people and that culture and that you know get up and go sort of uh, environment that we have within the entourage and within our community, we need to continue to work on it. You know, so like so that, you know if I go through those again, so marketing step one. Step two would be sales. And when I say sales, it's sales process. Because some people are like, I've got an online business. I'm like, it's just as important. Your sales business, your sales process is just as important. Just because you're not talking to anyone doesn't mean you don't have a sales process. You can have the best product in the world, but if no one knows about it, well, guess it's what? You're not going market. anywhere. <laughs> Number three, product to market fit. Number four, operations and systems. Number five, finance management and financial management and then number six people and people and culture and the people and culture part is like so 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 important i think a lot of businesses there's a misconception out there that people culture is all about having a you know a table tennis table in the in, in the office and a coffee machine you know culture is a lot more than that right 100%. it's like 
how are you challenging your peers? How are you challenging your employees? What sort of training are you providing? Like, how are you adding value to them to actually keep them around? Because the reality is there's so much demand out there. It's, it's a competitive landscape, well, right? I think, if, I think what you're going to see in, I think you're going to see this massive shift coming, especially off the back of, of COVID, uh, where a lot of people did work from home and now they're mm. the office. I think it, it forced us, like, you know, like to give you an idea, with our business in Melbourne, Jealous Craig Real Estate, that's J-E-L-L-I-S. Craig Real Estate, if anyone wants to check it out. We actually used to get all of the, um, the you know, the, the sales team to log on and prospect together. So, like, we'd have the Zoom up and everyone would be on silent, but they'd be making calls off their CRM, so, like, make 100 calls together as a team, right, whilst they weren't allowed to transact real estate. And so that way, when they came off COVID, you know, restrictions, they were able to hit the ground running and, and, and go, go out with a bang. Then your next, you know, I don't know if you actually know this, but you know, Jealous Craig is actually a client of Impressive. I didn't know. I didn't. Know. We do. We do some lead. Uh, it's it's more at a, uh, at a at a corporate level, a head office level, but we do yeah. some we, we do some lead generation for you guys. Have um, you been my sister, Elizabeth Morello? She was the no, general, I haven't. Up until a month ago, she was the general manager of the Jealous Craig Foundation. So she was. Ah, oh, okay. And so she was. No, I, I, I didn't actually. Um, I mean, I have met your sister before, but not not through yeah. not not through not through. No, yeah, right, um, but obviously, now yeah, she's on maternity leave, enjoying you know being a mum for. My brother's been with the expansion as one of the directors for a very long time. Yeah. So anyway, moral of the story was that they've got we've got a great culture with the Jealous Craig business. Like it's yep. you know everybody um you know you talk about the attraction you know attraction model to get people to come work for you. It's like people are leaving you know family businesses. And joining Dallas Club, people are leaving, they're leaving their like dad's business, and they're coming over. Like it's a, it's a big thing. Like you know, obviously we're doing something right, and. Uh, my sister basically headed up the philanthropic arm of Jealous Craig for the last, okay. I think, five six years, and she did an amazing job at that. And and um, and you know the CEO uh, Nick is absolutely amazing. He uh, you know he sits on the board for realestate.com now. So like you know to, he he was one of the head guys at Macquarie Bank. Then he's the CEO of Jealous Craig and now he sits on the board for REA. Like to have those caliber of people around, just amazing. Just it just perpetuates a culture of, of you know, top performing and world class and and uh, and it's not necessarily like you know because there's a lot of people that aren't in a, a, a income revenue role, but they um they constantly just produce absolute magic and they just love being there. And, they're willing to commit, and, you know, their time, their energy, their sacrifice, family time. And we've tried to do that here. Like, you know, we've got just in the next office over, our CEO, Tim Morris of Entourage, is um, the ex, the first ever general manager for Uber Australia. He started oh, wow. Uber from America to Australia. He was the, the general manager. And we were lucky enough to get him across to, uh, to the Entourage. For him, the massive decision-making mechanism for him was our culture. Mm. Like he's like, oh, I want to be a part of, you know, something like this, and you know, he loved our core values, and you know that, you know, education matters, and and um, you know, be wow, and bring work. Like these are our, you know, what we try and you know have our team believe in. But then our members have now just been infected by, you know, the entourage way, which is great. And like I, ha I had a session with one of our big corporate clients earlier, who was a past alumni of the entourage. He was with us for about six, seven years. And then he went and bought into a company and he sits as their CEO now. And he's getting us back in to do sort of training and, and delivery and, and sort of all that jazz. And uh, he wanted to have Powerful stuff. Yeah, and he wanted to have a session with me. And, and, and he's telling me about everything that they're doing in their business. And I, uh, I just started laughing. I was like, bro, you know you've just stolen that completely from the entourage. She's like, yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't I? But he goes, if it works, why would I change it? Like, why would I try and do something different? Like, 
it's obviously worked for you guys. I was a member, I got to see it work. I implemented it into my business. And now I'm the CEO of this business and one of the one of the owners. And um, it works. Like he was literally taking like Robbie. There's no need to reinvent the wheel, you know? <laughs> exactly like our marketing process, our sales structures, our um, our even some of our our um, uh, team culture stuff. And I, I, he, as he was saying it, I didn't know if he was taking the piss or not. Like I was like, <laughs> I thought he was just saying it to get a stir out of me. And then I'm like, bro, you, you you're aware that you've just reeled off. <laughs> <laughs> real life is what we do at the entourage and you've used our names and everything he's like yeah he goes what do you mean i'm your client i i, I pay you guys for advisory so he goes oh, i assume i'm allowed to use it i said you are allowed to use it but you can't ip our our process like it's a process like that's right like that so like i said to him that's fine i just it was funny because he said it with completely unapologetically <laughs> it was not he doesn't a, care what, you know, uh, is this okay? Am I allowed to do this? He's like, we've already implemented this through COVID and we're doing this, this, this. And I'm like, that's our process. And he's like, yeah, I know. So anyway, we um, we pride ourselves on that. And it's something that we're, we're really, really grateful for in the sense that, you know, whenever somebody um, becomes, uh, one of, you know, joins the entourage, like we tell them, you know, it's, I make a joke sometimes. Like I go to them, you know how there's R&D? And they're like, yeah, research and development. Like, rip off and redesign. I said, you know, the reason why you <laughs> don't that. engage, this, look, to give you an idea, and this is good for any business, right? And you need yep. to be able to ask this question of your one of your of, of a client at any time. One of our large corporate clients was was going to move. They've been with us for three years, right? And their argument was that they had over the three years they've done work with Jack and myself, and they've done work with some of the senior advisors, right? And they would spent a lot of money. I'm not going to lie, they would spent you know, a few hundred thousand dollars with us over the last sort of three years. And they said, oh, we're going to this 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 guy. And I was like, okay. So I wasn't involved in the discussion anymore, but I thought I better get back involved. And worst case scenario, I always like to keep the door open for future future work. Mm. Like they might want to try some, a new strategy or a new, sometimes when there's a new CEO or a new CMO or someone's come in, they want to, you would see this with your business. Ne never burn your bridges, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. sometimes... A new chief marketing officer might come in. They've got a relationship with you. 100%. And so they're going to go kick out the other guys. So like, I thought maybe that's that's what's happened. Anyway, mm. they come in. I, I sat down with, with one of the major decision makers, like effectively the head of their training and delivery and all that. And he's like, it's a he and a she. And I sat him down. I said, oh, what, you know, what seems to be the challenge? And they said, oh, we want one guy, one male, one female. We just want one, one, one advisor. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because we want consistency. And I said, well, let's rewind for a minute. I, and I pulled up their CRM and I said, over the last three years, we've worked with you on marketing. We've worked with you on sales. We've worked with you on products. We've worked with you on finances. We've worked with you on operations and we've worked with you on your culture stuff. I said, not one person in the world knows everything about everything. That would They would be absolutely lying to you if they said that they did. It's a unicorn. That's my point. That's what I said to them. I said, I said yeah, like I, I did their sales training, right? And they loved it. This was their argument. They're like, when you did the sales training, it was amazing. But then we brought in the numbers guy. Now, our numbers guy is not as entertaining as Morello, right? Like he's not gonna, he's not gonna be like that. Like he, it's a very, uh, you know, it's a dry it's subject. It's back to the point we were talking about, right? Like specializing rather than generalizing. Look, I could come in here and I could deliver, you know, a workshop for two days with the with the board on your P&Ls and your cash flows and your strategic forecasting. And I agree, let's call it Bob for the sake of the story. Bob isn't the most exciting and like, you know, he, he's not gonna hold a room for two days 
Um, he's a great facilitator in a sense that like he's just good at what he does. And I'm like, mate, why? Like, and, and I said, okay, let me let me ask the question. Go back to this guy, and I want you to ask him if he knows everything about PLs. And okay, like, ask him the same questions that you know that you asked of, of our expert. Anyway, calls us back three weeks later, engages us for another three months. <laughs> what an amazing because story! Because the reality is, you need to be able to say to your clients and to your customer, "Am uh, uh, um, um, I? Is my job?" to be your best friend or is my job to deliver something world class for you? There's a massive misconception that great business is all relationship based. It starts with a relationship, but if you don't get a result, like if, if, if you- If you can't deliver, your relationship is not going anywhere. the entourage, Robbie, like it's not like, and, and I don't help you help, like, you know, the entourage doesn't increase your revenue by at least what you've invested with us, if not 10X what you've invested with us, you would be disappointed. Like you'd be like, wait a minute, like, why did I bother investing tens of thousands of dollars into trying to grow my business if I didn't get a result? So you can be my best mate. You could have known me literally for 20 years. We've known each other. You'll be like, Morello, like, I, I, I joined to grow my business. I, you know, I, I did everything. And if you don't grow your business, then if you do everything we tell you you're going to do, you will grow your business. It just, it's very nature. Bio-osmosis, you're going to grow your business. Being surrounded by world-class businesses, other world-class businesses, being surrounded by world-class operators that we are. You know? Like So anyway, it's, it's, it's an interesting world that we live in. And I think, you know, once again, you know, you sometimes need to take a step back and, and just look at it from an outside perspective in order to really see what it is that you're looking to achieve. And, and, and again, you know, you sometimes in, in life and in business, right, you take one step back to, to move two steps forward. You need to zoom out and have a look at, you know, the, the lay of the land, right? Like, wh where are we? Where are we, how are we operating? What? Do, where do we need advice? Man, I, I couldn't agree more. And I want to finish on this, right? Yes. Give me your top two or three pieces of advice that you can share without giving away too much, right? <laughs> right? Um, with any entrepreneur or someone that is currently running a business, um, looking to scale or grow, but just has have hit that barrier, right? They've hit that ceiling. You know, it's interesting, Robbie. I, I reckon I'll give the advice, and this is going to be a little bit odd. And I know a lot of people are business orientated that, are, that will listen and, and watch this, but I, I'll give the advice at a, at a universal level. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is I think the biggest challenge we've got, um, you know, something Jack and myself are very passionate about is our spiritualism. And, you know, and when I say spiritualism, we're not religious. We're certainly not that. We're more spiritual. But, like, you don't need to go overboard. Like, people think when you say spiritualism, they've got to have crystals and sage on their desk and everything. Saying that, I do. I actually yeah. do. But, but you don't need to do that, right? So, like, the, the, the probably the best business advice I can give people is at, at a universal level. Because I think if they get that part of their life right, then everything else seems to trickle down, right? Yep. So like, so, so the, the number one piece of advice would be to practice present moment awareness. So it, whether that's in their business life or in their family life, like you just talked about before, like, you know, you're spending the quality time with, with Matteo and, and your partner and so forth. Like, look, that's just as important as giving this quality time. Like this, this time we spend right now and the, the, the fact that neither of us are answering our phones, the fact that we're not being distracted, the fact that we're giving 100, whether it's on Zoom or face-to-face, -face, we're giving 110%. Like you should do that with your husband, wife, partner and children. You should do that with your, your if you're the entrepreneur, you should do that with the leaders in your business. If you're one of the leaders, you should do it with your managers. If you're one of the managers, you do it with the technicians. Like you should be treating the people that are in the, in the, in the bullpen that are doing the legwork just the way, same way you treat the CEO. Like it's just, you know, practice that present moment away. So that's, that's 
piece of advice number one. Uh, piece of advice number two is to let go of the outcome. Like it's important to do goal setting. So we did that this morning. But what ends up happening often is we have created a culture for ourselves. So as business owners and as entrepreneurs, we've created a culture in ourselves that what we've done is we're like, oh, I thought I would have, you know, um, how old are you? You're 30, 30 what? 36. 36, right? I'm about to turn 35, right? So I could sit there and go, shit, you know, I thought I would have had another five houses at 35. I thought I, I would have done, I would have done this. I would have, I thought I would have, you know, had more staff. I thought I would have, you know, our business would have been doing more revenue. Like the challenge we've got is entrepreneurs, and this is like a sort of 2.2 as part of 2.1, <laughs> let go of the outcome. 2.2 of the same piece of advice is that you need to become you need to become content with never with never being content. Mm, so I'll, I'll repeat that. again. You need to become content with never being content. So once you let go of the outcome, you go, okay, this is all part of the journey. Like, like to give to be completely honest with you, oh, I, Rob, straight after you, I've got two very difficult meetings, very just hard work. People that you know we've done business with for a long time, and just yes, and and I think as I've grown as an entrepreneur and as a human being, my business has grown phenomenally, as you know, and my friendship groups have grown. But I think what I've realized is not all business is good business in hindsight. And like there's people that I did business with 10 years ago that because like I was starting out and they were willing to give me a go and I've been loyal to them because they gave me a go. And like, I'm at the point where these next two meetings this afternoon, I'm like, I'm probably just gonna tell them, I think, I think respectfully, um, I have nothing but love for you guys, but it's time that we part ways. Like, because mm -hmm. I, I, if, you, if your vision and your mission and values, your vision, mission and values aren't aligned, then you're never really gonna be able to actually achieve what you need to achieve. So, so that number two was let go of the outcome. And, and 2.2 was become content with never being content. That letting go of the outcome is connected with that. Uh, and then number number th number three, you know, I want to leave it on something profound, but I feel like that that second one was the most. Mate, that was a ripper. I, I love I've that. Got, I've got number three. Number three would be embrace the uncertainty of life. That's a crack. That's the trick, bro. <laughs> That's the trick. Like I think, yeah. shit, like I look at I look at last year, and last year was. You know, it was a disaster for some people. And like, it was it was reasonably good for us, but like, it was challenging. Whether it was maybe not financially challenging, like we, weren't, we didn't qualify for the JobKeeper or whatever it is, like all that jazz. We certainly didn't qualify for that. So it was bad because we like, we sat there as a board and we're like, do you, do we want to make less money? So we like, How do we communicate this? We you know, know, like whether or not we were, you know, whether we, we were better off making less money and taking that money. But you know, so, and look, that's very un, incongruent with our core values. And our core yeah. values are about, you know, like why would we do that? Like we don't need to do that. And that money needs to go to people who need it. So we, we weren't in a position to do any job keeper, but there was a lot of uncertainty. Like, you know, like we we were in the middle of taking a whole floor in the middle of Sydney CBD, directly across from the, at the harbour, just down there, Circular Key, just down there. And it's like, you know, like I, I, I sat with our CEO, like we had a bit of a wine night on, on Zoom what, during the um, thing. And as you know, like my mum was unwell and my mum ended up passing away during COVID, not from COVID, but during COVID. And, you know, so often I would have these meetings from my childhood home in Mooney Bonds, from, you know, from my lounge room that I grew up sitting in with my parents. 
And it was very, it was a challenging year. And like, I, I had to very quickly remind myself of what had gotten me to here, which was the fact that I embraced the good, the bad, the ugly. Like, I've got to deal with some ugly this afternoon, but like tomorrow I've got a great day. Like tomorrow I'm presenting half face to face in Sydney and then half on Zoom and like, you know, I've got great people that are, you know, I'm, I'm working with these these girls that have got a bubble cup business and and we're getting them started tomorrow in our Elevate program, which is our, you know, $35,000 a year program. And it's like <laughs> me going, I want to be a part of that. It's like, you know, we get to work with amazing people doing amazing stuff that, you know, they, they, they're literally doing millions of dollars in revenue and they started the business 12 months ago off the back of COVID. So like, there we go. Like they, 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 how it started is they wanted a bubble cup and there was nowhere open to get bubble mm. cup. They're like, why can't you buy bubble cup online? It's an amazing story. Nobody does. You're the first people in the world to think of bubble cup online. And they, <laughs> they, you know, and they, they pumped a couple hundred grand setting this thing up and they're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in revenue now. And they're like two young girls from Oakley in Melbourne. You know, they had an idea in their 20s, like, and they're killing it. And I, I get to spend half a day with them tomorrow. Like, that's what I get to do. And what a privilege. What a, what a privilege. Here's my point. Like, you know, they are just going to elevate me to the next level now. Uh, pardon the pun. That's what our program's called. But they're going to elevate me, <laughs> which, is, which is phenomenal. Mate, I absolutely love the advice. And even personally, on a personal level, there's so much takeaway there for me. And I hope you don't mind, but I want to add 3.2. Yes. In, in, right. And it's, for me, the biggest lesson so far, and even during COVID, is control what you can control. Yes. So, control you know, the, embracing the uncertainty of life. John McGrath, the, the, the real estate tycoon. The real estate agent. He always says, um, control the controllables. That's Don't right. worry about the things you can't worry about. So the, you're, you're there's, no, there's no point of me living in this what-if world, right? Because I can't control it. I yeah. can only control what I can control. And that is about being present. It's about the awareness. It's about, you know, embracing the uncertainty. It's like, these are the things that I can control. And that is it. Everything else, I'm just going to let go. Yes. Right? And I, I think that in itself is it was it was an absolute game changer for me in the last few months of, of, of COVID, right? Mate, I honestly that was an absolute privilege. Thank you, Andrew. It's uh, it's well, been what, what I'll do is uh, just to close it off. If anyone wants to uh, reach out, they can feel free to add me on Instagram. Thanks for the segue. I was just about to ask you how do, how do we get in touch with you? <laughs> you beat me to it. If anyone wants to talk to me directly, maybe what I'll do is I'll I'll um, we'll, we'll put the link up with my email and they can. They can reach out and, and have a bit of a chat. Send me your details and I'll put it yeah, in the, uh, in, the in the comments and, and all and, of that. And as and look, if someone is not a business owner yet, but they're thinking about doing it, they want to, you know, I'm happy to give anyone 15, 20 minutes of my time if they want to brainstorm something and see if it's if it's worthwhile or yeah, I'm very open-minded and very uh, you know open with my time. I love uh, helping people. It's funny because like some of the biggest deals I ever did was because I said, yeah, I'm happy to spend 15 minutes with my, of my time. So whether you're a big entrepreneur now or not is irrelevant to me. So feel free to reach out. It's and, genuine. And that's what I've always loved about you. You know, always I'm, like, it's I'm always, authenticity. I want to I want to help as many people as possible. And uh, I'm excited to do so. So feel free to, um, to reach out, say hello. Uh, we'd love to chat to you at the Entourage. Uh, we'd love to chat to you in life. We'll be doing some events nationally as well over the next 12 awesome. months and now that so please keep an eye out for those and if you reach out to me we can put you on a, a bit of a list to let you know when those are on otherwise just keep an eye out we don't yeah you'll, you'll you're an see, absolute legend i'm sure absolute you'll, legend. You'll see andrew morello
<laughs> I'm sure, mate. I'm, uh, I'll see you everywhere now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll pop up somewhere. Don't you worry. <laughs> You'll be popping up somewhere. Um, mate, thank you very much. I've honestly enjoyed that. And I look forward to yeah, seeing you again. I mean, I should be up in Sydney in a couple of in a couple of months. I'll uh, I'll come check out Bondi with you. Yeah, done. And I'll give you a tour of the office. Love to show done. you. Love your work. Thank you, sir.